I'm sorry, cut out a little bit to get in. How does it feel to know that the prediction just wasn't quite It was so close. I thought we had it there for a second. I was really excited for it, but I can't say that I dislike this one either this trade either, so I guess I can live with it. Yeah, I mean it wasn't a it's not a bad trade. And um first my apologies to the listeners. I've had some personal issues come up recently, so I wasn't able to do the show yesterday, even though I, I promised I would through Colin. And to our listeners on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, it sounds like you need to get Colin. Um, <laughs> the the podcast, the live podcasting app available on iTunes. It's spelled C A L L I N. If you really, if you forget what it's called, just think about what you're going to do on the app. You're going to call into the show. So <laughs> just get the app. Come hang out with us. We have fun. We laugh at ourselves, and we're going to laugh at ourselves a little bit for for being so close yet so far off on, on the Colts situation. But, I mean, we were right from the very beginning when Carson Wentz was dealt from the Colts to the, the Washington Commanders. You know, we said move two is coming. We just got to wait for move two to happen. And move two finally came, and it wasn't quite what I was expecting. No, it definitely was not what I was expecting either. But, again, I think that this is when when – Let's back up. When the first Carson Wentz, you know, kind of trade happened and uh, we saw that we saw that, you know, they sent they sent Wentz over to the commanders. They got back third round pick and then a third round pick that could maybe be a second round pick and then a second round pick. And then they also uh, sent over a second round pick as well. So those kind of negate. They essentially got a third round pick, a third round pick that could be a second round. And when that first when that trade first happened, I, being more of a Carson Wentz believer than most people seem to be, kind of said, well, this is a terrible trade for the Colts. It doesn't make any sense. What are they going to do with a third and a, and a second at best? How are they going to get a quarterback with that? And really the only thing that I said was, well, this is a terrible trade for them unless they can figure out how to get a quarterback for that. And I really didn't think they could. I thought that, you know, with a third and a, a potential second in today's quarterback world, you could maybe get like Taysom Hill with that value. And then they got Matt Ryan for a third. They still got their potential second that they're keeping. They honestly kind of net gained a little bit with this because Matt Ryan is just so opposite of Carson Wentz in like essentially every way. It's almost laughable how Ballard must have gone into the room with all the execs and was like, all right, guys, find me the exact opposite of Carson Wentz. And they came up with Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan's not going to throw a whole lot of if he plays, he's going to keep it safe. Whereas if you were a Colts fan this past year, you were on the edge of your seat every single play wondering what stupid thing is Carson Wentz going to do this play. Most of the time, it seems like it wasn't actually that bad. His stat line was okay. But it's just comical to me how opposite of Carson Wentz they went. And honestly, it seems like this could be a very solid play for them as a bridge quarterback, obviously Matt Ryan's aging. He's not old yet, but he is aging. He's going to be a pretty good bridge quarterback. He's not going to be the quarterback of the future, but just a few more years until they can get their guy in and develop a little bit. I think he's going to be perfect. Yeah, no, I mean, the Colts fans have to be so happy with the chain of events in the past, what, two weeks now? They went from having Carson Wentz with a fairly expensive contract and you don't have the belief and confidence in him to getting him gone. He's a post-June 1 
trade, I believe. So that means that the Colts aren't absorbing his cap hit. So it's all going to be on the Commanders. And they picked up Matt Ryan. And Matt Ryan's cap number, I believe, is in part being absorbed by the Falcons. So not only are they getting Matt Ryan, I think they're getting him for a little bit less. I'm, I'm, let me double check that before I, I go boldly and say that it's it's completely scot-free for the, for the Colts. But the Colts got a former MVP pretty cheap on an expiring contract for minimal draft capital. Um, yeah, so I think the, the Falcons are absorbing $40 million in dead money on the Matt Ryan contract. So, you know, I think the Colts, like, you can't grade, I feel like you can't grade this one in terms of, like, how it's going to change the Colts franchise fortunes, because I do think Matt Ryan is an improvement, but realistically, like, I think the only thing that happened today was the Colts got a little bit more likely to win the AFC South, and that's not saying, that's not nothing, right? That's still a really big jump to make, but I think with how loaded the AFC is, it's it's fair to say that the Colts what they're still they're still probably the worst division champion, Tony. Yeah, I think I think they kind of got to be in that conversation at least. And while this is a fairly decent trade for them, I still would honestly have rather that they didn't trade Wentz for what they traded him for. It really worked out that they got Matt Ryan for super cheap, and for that reason. I know we usually jump on these uh, trade grades, and I'm going to do mine for the Falcons. I'm going to leak mine a little bit early for the Falcons. I think this was a horrible trade for the Falcons. Matt Ryan was nothing particularly special last year, and he's kind of been falling off a little bit since about 2018-ish. But a third-round pick, one third-round pick for this guy, that's a little disrespectful, honestly. I mean, he still threw for just under 4,000 yards last year. His touchdown-to-interception ratio was pretty poor don't get me wrong that was absolutely not great but still he is definitely worth more than that I am baffled that the Colts were able to con the Falcons into getting this trade through it's amazing to me part of this to me feels like that it's less about the Colts conning the Falcons and Matt Ryan realizing that the Falcons weren't going to try to legitimately build around him and just as soon as they had Deshaun Watson as an opportunity, just went for him completely and wholly. And I think it's a little bit like Baker, except Matt Ryan didn't post to social media about it. He just said to the Falcons, hey, I want out. And I think the Falcons are a good organization. And I think that their leadership was like, look, you are arguably the, f- the face of the franchise by AV value. Pro football reference says you're the most valuable player to our franchise of all time. So like, you know, we'll let you pick a location. Not exactly like there were a lot of locations, but I think once Matt Ryan said, look, I'm not doing this. Trade me if you can. I don't want to play for you guys. Um, you know, I think the Colts became a really easy and apparent option because realistically they are a, they were a quarterback away and they, they got a pretty good quarterback. Yeah, they got a guy that can, that can step in for a little bit. I don't think that he's, I don't think they're going to like, suddenly win a Super Bowl. I think I saw that their odds jumped from plus 2,800 to plus 2,400 on Super Bowl. So it jumped a little bit, but not a crazy amount. I, I not just, what I expect. This is a guy that's just going to kind of like hold you through. Like just, like you said earlier, they might win the division once or twice before they get a new guy in, but I don't think they really go beyond that. They're just going to kind of, you know, gatekeep their own division. That's about the extent of what they can do, which 
you know, depending on who you are, maybe that is exactly what you want, and that's as much as you can expect until you get a new guy we, in there. But... We lost you there for a second, Tony. Am I back? Are we good? Yeah, you're back. We just, we lost you. We Last thing we heard was, like, they're going to gatekeep their division. Oh, okay. Yeah. Depending on who you are, maybe gatekeeping your division is, you know, as much as you can expect and you're happy with it. But you're not, like, this isn't a trade where you're going to go nuts and you're suddenly going to be, like, going on a deep playoff run with Matt Ryan unless he has some sort of crazy resurgence out of nowhere. So I think that this is a, a very good value trade, I guess you could say, like trading away a third-round pick for a starting quarterback caliber guy in the NFL. Obviously, tremendous value. But at the same time, the only reason this is a good trade is because it's so, like, the value you're getting is insane, even though he's not crazy good himself. Well, I do want to say that that's not fair, I guess. So when I'm saying that they'll be the likely division winner, but not a Super Bowl favorite. That's not fair to say because, like, look at the Bengals. Like, all they had to do was get in, and they, they went on a crazy run. Like, football is a weird sport. It's a three-point game that came down to the due to kick that we never pay attention to in the playoffs. So it's it's not saying that they can't get to a Super Bowl. And, in fact, I think with Matt Ryan, their Super Bowl probabilities did go up. It's just the most likely outcome is division winner, you play in a wild card game and you win at home and lose on the road to the Chiefs or something. So it's, you know, they did increase their ceiling, I think, by by getting Ryan. It's just the likelihood of of it. Yeah, I guess that's true. But, like, at the same time, we've also said on this show after the Super Bowl happened that the Bengals going on that run was, like, fairy tale. Like, it's so never going to happen for the Bengals again, and it's probably not going to happen for a long time for anybody else just because objectively it was a ridiculous run that should have absolutely never happened. I think that's kind of what it would be here. Like, yes, Jonathan Taylor's awesome. Don't really have any super crazy, like, dominant receivers. Their O-line's fine. Their defense is, you know, good enough to, you know, make a playoff run at least, but I don't think they're quite at that level where it's like, oh, this team was just a quarterback away from the Super Bowl. They might have been a quarterback away from a game or two in the playoffs, and maybe this is you know what you get with Matt Ryan. You get a game or two in the playoffs, but I think that's for me. I think that is the total ceiling that you have there. There's no, there's no chance they make a Super Bowl with this. I'm not saying that Matt Ryan is what makes them a Super Bowl contender. I'm saying that that Colts defense was good enough last season to like it's a playoff caliber defense. They do have a run game. Weapons, yeah, are a bit of a problem. But I think that that you bring in Matt Ryan is hopefully he can upgrade some of those weapons a little bit by just being a better passer than Wentz. But I, I'm just saying that like like with the Bengals when they got Joe Burrow, they're like Super Bowl chances probably went from like zero percent to like five percent. Then they were in the Super Bowl. So I guess what I'm saying is that like I like this trade because I think it made the Colts better and made them more likely to win a Super Bowl. But it did not make them probable to win a Super Bowl. Is the distinction I'd make? Yeah. And, I mean, who knows, with those, like, kind of like what we said, their weapons is really the only place where they, they need some work. Matt Ryan, quarterback for the Falcons for the longest time, who was his kind of go-to Are big you going to do guy? it? Julio you're going to beat, me, you're gonna beat me to my own take. Dang it. <laughs> I was just about to bring it up. I had just double-checked that he was still a free agent. Yeah, I just double-checked. <laughs> they, they have just under $16 million in cap space right now. They could oh, he's potentially a, run. He's a bargain. He's a bargain. Yeah, especially after coming off of kind of an injured, underproductive year. 
they could definitely score him. They could probably get Julio, and if they get a little bit more of, well, with sixteen million, they could probably do him on a one or two year contract. They could maybe even get another kind of top wide receiver two guy and just really eliminate the issue of needing weapons in one off season. I don't even think he gets sixteen million. Well, I don't think he gets sixteen million, but you kind of got to think. Well, if he gets ten million, and then you sign a wide receiver too, that'll probably be about five six million. So I mean, they still have to worry about the draft class. Yeah, I guess they do have to worry about that. I think that if I think they should sign Julio to like a three year deal and then backload the cap a little bit, and then just focus on maybe getting a wide receiver too. Uh, I know that you know they do have uh, what's this guy uh, Michael Pittman. That's who it is. They have Michael mm-hmm. Pittman. He's been pretty solid. But I would like to see Julio on a little bit longer contract and then just like another guy that could be kind of a wide receiver too in free agency because there's a ton of them out there right now. Uh, and then get your draft class, and you're you're a pretty good team. So let me just comment with Zelo. Um, for those of you listening for the first time, Zelo is the algorithm we use here on the Touchdown Rundown. I designed it and have gotten some help from Tony over the years. Um, and so it has the, the best Indianapolis wide receiver is Michael Pittman actually at 27th. And then last year by production, Julio Jones was 92nd. So that's like, that's telling you that they could, they could really use a receiver because their, their best guy is 27th. Yeah. I mean, they definitely could. It's, it's definitely not, it's not a question of if it's just a question of who they're going to get. Cause if, this Ryan trade is it it's fine and all. Like, yes, you kinda got your guy set up, that's fine. But if you don't get another receiver in with Ryan, this trade kind of just doesn't really do much for you. You're kind of just in the same spot you were. I, mean, I think they can just they have the draft pick, right? Like I mean theoretically they could just draft the guy with the capital they got. They definitely could draft the guy, but the the one thing that I don't love about like drafting Drafting a receiver is that if you're going to draft the guy and then you're going to rely on him to kind of like be a wide receiver one or two for your team, like this Jamar Chase thing, Jamar Chase is such a rarity. Like that guy. Oh, I'm not saying they're going to get Jamar Chase. I'm just saying that realistically, like they'll probably draft some wide receivers because that is, I mean, if we're saying it's a weak area, theoretically, the Colts have, who are, I think, a top flight organization are also probably saying, how can we address this area? Yeah, and they definitely should draft a receiver, but I'm saying you can't draft a receiver and then immediately just go to relying on. Like you got to give him, you got to give him a year. You can't just like okay. Jamar essentially and just like think, oh yeah, we'll draft a guy and we can just kind of plug and play him because he's a receiver. Like most of most guys out there, like Devontae Adams, did not pop off until year three or four, and you know of course he's arguably the best receiver in the league for most people. He is, but. It's kind of like gotten to the point where the, over the past couple of years there have been a couple super good breakout guys that I I just get worried that like fans are going to start thinking oh we drafted a receiver he needs to be good in the in game one year one so and wasn't if Adams not, a bust kind of like trending towards bust his first year yeah he was trending towards bust his first and second year like he was he was Kevin King before Kevin King so let's play the free agent wide receiver game because. I think that there's a better option than uh, than Odell, and I'd be curious to see if you guess who it is. A better option than Odell for receiver right now? Um, 
or Julio, excuse me. Did I say Odell? My apologies. I meant Julio. You said Odell. I'm assuming it's not Odell. Yeah, it's not Odell, yes. Because I think I'm trying to... Yeah, I'm trying to optimize cost. And I was looking at the Browns logo next to Jarvis Landry's name. From an optimization of a cost perspective, I think Landry might be a decent enough fit for them that they can retain some salary cap. Maybe if you if you can swing it right. I mean, he's Landry's current APY was 15 million, but he's 30 and he's probably not going to fetch 15 million, which is why the Browns let him go. Yeah. I I like that one. Another one that I do kind of like throwing out there, although he had, you know, he had a little bit of issue this year. Hopefully he gets his own personal life figured out. Will Fuller is a pretty decent receiver. Oh, he was next. You're taking my game away. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm looking at all these guys because I've been having all these conversations with people just... Uh, Are you on... at the free agency page on Over the Cap? <laughs> no, I'm not, actually. I'm... <laughs> He's next. About, like, you guys sign and stuff. Yeah, that could be a good one. That's a good guy that I can kind of see being plug-and-play in a lot of these different teams. Okay, I have six wide receiver free agents that I, I want to just rattle off for you. Go for it. Okay, so there's T.Y. Hilton. He was a former Colt. He's in a UFA. Don't like it. Okay, Cole Beasley, Bills. He's an SFA. I like it. A.J. Green, UFA. Don't like it. Emmanuel Sanders, UFA. Uh, 50-50. Keenan Cole, UFA. Uh, I don't hate it if you can get him for the right price. Jamison Crowder, UFA. I am quite a fan of that one. Although, didn't Jamison Crowder just sign today? Did he? I think he might have. I thought I saw something about it. Hold on. All right, double check while I give you the last one. Sammy Watkins, also a UFA. Uh, for the right price, I do like it. And yes, wait. Amos Did he? Bill signed him. Yep. Uh, my apologies. I normally don't miss those. Um, okay, so just to clarify for for the audience members who don't know what a UFA and an SFA are. So a UFA is an unrestricted free agent. It means that they can sign pretty much anywhere. Um, and then I believe an SFA is a player who who signed, who had a contract who had signed through the current season but they were released and are currently not on an active roster prior to the playoffs so they're they're free to sign contracts for that year it's just like a little denotation between ufa and sfa it's that they got released versus they their contract expired and they're free to go wherever and i do i i don't like i i don't want this to happen i just want to preface with that as a packers fan i would hate to see this happen but as an objective nfl uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna give myself a ge- a generous title here and say NFL analyst. Oh, uh, fanalist, fanalist, Tony. Here we go. I do have to throw out that Marquez Valdez Scantling is still a free agent, and he would be a heck of a pickup at 27 years old. Probably not too expensive. I do think that he would be a great addition to most teams. I hope we get him back, but if we don't, kudos to whatever, whoever does get him. Yeah, no, he would be a bargain. His APY, so that's um, average per year, is his salary was under a million. So that's a bargain. That's a bargain bin wide receiver. That's good value. Yeah, absolutely. And he's he's been he hasn't had like his big breakout year yet, but he is very very fast. He's fairly tall, and he's getting better every year. So he could definitely tear up some 
tear up some defenses for sure. He's a great deep threat. No, he'd be a fun little addition. I would, I, I'm actually kind of surprised he's still a free agent. I'm, I'm surprised that some of these guys are still free agents. He's got a pretty big market. I think that he's, uh, with the, with the trade of Adams, now that we've freed up so much cap space, I think the Packers are trying to work him back onto the team. He was originally an Adams. He was originally likely going to be an Adams uh, cap. Uh, what's casualty? The word I'm yep, cap casualty. There you go. Well, that's not a problem. Um, <laughs> it's not to be mean. That's not a problem anymore for for your Packers. Before we transition over, because Tony has provided me a beautiful segment change, um, I do want to debate. What's the when do we get to call ourselves analysts? Is it when we get paid, or is it just when we feel like we've earned the title to go from fanalist? I mean, I think I think that we get to call ourselves analysts when we have properly predicted enough things, and I think that even though we struck out. On the uh, we didn't call Matt Ryan to the Colts. We still did call Deshaun to the Browns. So I think that is a little bit of a. Uh, it's almost like a level up for us. I'm a hundred percent okay saying that we're analysts because we got the Rams and then we got Deshaun against all odds. So no. I'm okay if we want to promote ourselves to analysts, but I will have to change the bio because I'm ninety nine percent sure it says fanalist still. Well, we got to get on that. F and we immediately grow our credibility by however much. Yeah. Um, okay, so while so thanks to your your beautiful transition of mentioning Devontae Adams as a cap casualty, we have our our beautiful segue. So let's move over to news. It's a little bit older, but just as surprising, I think. So Devontae Adams, Derek Carr, and he they were Fresno, right? They were Fresno State. Yep. Yeah, they were. What they played? They played at Fresno, and were they roommates? I don't know if they were room. They might have been. That would make sense. But I do know they played together for sure. But yeah, the, the point is, uh, Devontae Adams and Derek Carr were very close. And so the Packers, I believe, what? They offered Adams $30 million a year? Yep. They offered him $30 million a year, and he still wanted to go to the Raiders. Did, now, did he got less with the Raiders, right? He did. He got, I think, about a million and a half less per year. Yeah, you know what? He's still the highest paid guy in the history of the NFL, so he he did okay. <laughs> I did. I did actually look into the contract. He is the highest paid in the history of the NFL, but it's an APY though, right? It's an APY, and they kind of did a. Uh, they kind of did it. They pulled the Taysom Hill on him and really backloaded his career with unrealistic numbers. So I oh think that he's Lord. not being the highest paid once they restructure. So, so his um, salary is is guaranteed in twenty three and twenty four. That's a cap trigger, but yeah, his cap number this year, which is why it's so reasonable for the Raiders, why it's cheap and team friendly, is just a mere eight point two million dollars. Now he does have a dead money hit of twenty two million, but then in in twenty three it jumps his cap number jumps by twenty two million to thirty point five, and then in twenty four it's twenty one point four. And then in twenty five, like Tony said, it gets it just balloons to absurd to forty million in twenty twenty five, and then forty million in twenty twenty six. So it's a very backloaded, heavy contract that either he's not going to be playing in Las Vegas for very long, or like Tony said, it's going to get restructured and spread over time. Now he's going to be thirty four in twenty twenty six. So I mean, that's the crazy part. And there's not a guaranteed. Um, salary dollar according to over the cap past 2022 unless the the March 17th trigger kicks in so until we get to March 17th in each of those 
years in 2023 and 2024, that's when the money becomes guaranteed if he's still on the roster. So it's a roster guarantee. Now, he does have a per-game roster bonus of, of 500000 every single year and a workout bonus of 100000 So he's not making money. He's not making nothing, but his cap number this year is just $8 million. It, Yeah, it was... It's it was a really really team friendly contract. The Raiders wrote it up really really nicely. Everybody kind of got what they wanted. He wanted to be the highest paid, and he wanted to play with Derek Carr. He technically on paper got that. The Raiders got an extremely team friendly contract for uh, a receiver that has followed a uh, an odd trend. And I don't know if you've seen this, Tom, but it's been all over Packers Twitter. Devonte Adams is not the first receiver to leave the Packers and end their career on a disappointing note with another team. Uh, James Jones, Jordy Nelson, both Packers legends have gone before uh, Devontae Adams and finished their career with the Raiders uh, and it did not end well. So we shall see how Adams fares, but good luck. Bro. He's going to need what, it. Well, that's what happens when you leave Aaron Rodgers, one of the greatest of all time at the position and throwing the ball to you. And um, even Carr. That's I don't think... Jump. I don't think Derek Carr is bad. Now, I know, I think, what, our, our friend Harrison, Pete Kent IV, would say that uh, Carr is the most effective on a, 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 a per-ceteris basis, a pair of ceteris basis. Yeah, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I love that. <laughs> yeah, I think, but... Well, you're, you're, you're just not smart enough. You're a, a what was his state school yeah, something? Yeah. <laughs> um, so looking at the Raiders, though, I mean, that's I think what's crazy about all of this is that they still have fourteen million dollars in in cap money. Is that it's not like they only had eight million to give Adams. Like they have fourteen million dollars now. Are they're they're obviously saving money to probably try and bring on more free agents. They're saving money for their draft class. But I almost think you're right in that twenty twenty five and twenty twenty six. It's forty million just so that they can justify him as the most. On an on an APY basis, and then those two numbers aren't aren't that real. Yeah, I absolutely think that they're going to restructure, or he's going to be gone well before that money goes into effect. There's no way, there's no chance that in the span of what three years, a receiver is suddenly going to be forty million dollars on your cap hit. That is that is absurd for a quarterback. Like that's what Deshaun Watson is on a crazy contract right now. That's what Rodgers will be in 2024. So to say that Rodgers and Adams are essentially going to be on a level playing field in terms of cap hit is ridiculous by all accounts. Yeah, and I mean, looking at the the dead money hit, so this year his dead money hit, if you were cut pre-June 1, is $22.7 million, and it would actually would be a negative $14.6 million. So now... That you look at 2023, his cap, his dead money hit would be 15 million, but his cap saving would then also be 15 million. Next year, dead money is 11, cap saving um, is 9.8, and these of course are all in millions. And then seven in 2025 in dead money, and 32 million in cap savings in 2025. 3.85 if he's uh, cut. That's the dead money hit in 26, and then it's 36 million in a cap savings. So, to me, what this contract is telling me that you know, pre June one and and post June one, the numbers 
do not change um, all that dramatically. Now, in the first couple of years of the contracts, it does bring the cap savings if he's cut post-June 1 down dramatically. But the fact that 2025 and 2026 are essentially unchanged indicates to me that, um, arguably speaking, he's going to be cut in 2025, 2026, or there will at the very least be a restructure. And the fact that in 2025 and 2026, when he's 33 and 34, it makes sense that that would also be the year he'd be cut and would become a UFA. Yeah, and on top of all of that, like, yes, this was fine for the Raiders, whatever. He's probably going to be restructured or cut at that point. We also haven't really talked about what does this do for the Packers because there's have been a lot of on Packers Twitter it's been very divided. Some people are, you know, hate it. Some people wanted the Packers to really do everything they could to keep them, which honestly they kind of did everything they could. Other people are like, well, this is good. And honestly, I'm kind of leaning towards the side of, I like this trade. I think that if he really wants to go, fine, do away with him. Frankly, Rodgers doesn't really need him. This is the same guy that a couple of years ago went to the playoffs with Jared Aberdarius as his wide receiver too. So, we don't really need all that much to throw to. We also now have over $20 million in cap space to bring in another guy. And I think that with the defense that we have coming back, with Rodgers coming back, with everything that we have going for us right now, we don't really need Adams. I think Adams is going to take a lot worse on this on this kind of trade than the Packers are going to take. And it's going to force Rodgers to kind of diversify how he throws. It was kind of last year. Adams got a, a so many stats just because of volume. And he was very efficient with that volume, but he did get that ball thrown to him so much more than everybody else. His kind of, you know, market share of the of the ball, if you will, was ridiculously high. So I do like this. It's forcing Rodgers to make the smarter throws and quit trying to throw to Adams in double coverage when you have, you know, MVS running twenty yards, you know, closer to you uncovered just doesn't make sense it's kind of why we lost the playoff game a little bit uh, against the Niners and I would have really liked to see them diversify how we threw a little bit I think you're nuts I don't think we need Adams I really don't I think you're nuts so by Zelo and say what you will about it he was second in the NFL so Zelo by for wide receivers uh, categorizes them in a couple different categories you have MVP contender Offensive Player of the Year contender, NFL All-Pro, NFL Pro Bowl, starter, role player, second string, bench warmer, practice squad. Adams was the only person in Offensive Player of the Year contender that category. Cup was an MVP contender because of how valuable he was. Whereas, you know, Adams was... And, and so the, the gap between Cup and Adams... So Cup had a value of 133... And Adams had a value of 106 points, uh, 0.9. And then next was Justin Jefferson at 88. So, you know, I think that you guys are going to miss Adams a little bit. I think we might miss him a little bit, but this is my prediction. If we were to, if we revisit this at this time next year and look at their zero values again, I guarantee you Adams is going to drop by a fair amount and Lazard. MVS, if we get him back, Randall Cobb are all going to jump and be higher values than they are than they were after this season. That's what my prediction is on what's going to happen. I mean, not if they bring in like I mean, I'm assuming you have them drafting a wide receiver. Yes. 
yeah, we probably draft a receiver, but I, I don't like just assuming that we're going to put him in as a wide receiver one. We kind of did that last year. Uh, we drafted Amari Rodgers, and he was okay. Like, he played in the Cardinals game when we literally had nobody else, essentially, and he did decently enough. I think he dropped a ball or two to be expected out of a rookie, but I think that we're going to go into free agency before we go into the draft and rely on that guy. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, that's fair. I, I'm just saying that if you want to say that Adam starts dipping a little bit because of the fact that he's playing with Carr and that you know he's going to get cut in 2025, I think that's fair. But I think to say that you're not going to miss him a little bit when Adams to Rodgers has been one of the best connections in the NFL, and in large part, Adams is kind of what enabled Rodgers to be a back-to-back MVP. I mean, we might miss him a little bit, but we're not going to miss him all that much. We're not going to miss him as much as he's going to miss Rodgers. I can tell you that. No, that much is fair. Although he may not miss Rodgers emotionally, but he will miss him statistically. <laughs> yeah, statistically, predicting he takes fairly sizable drop. Yeah, I don't know if I want to say fairly sizable because of his cap number being eight million, and I believe he's he's paired with Darren Waller, the the Raiders tight end. Those two are going to be. Like Darren Waller is a very underrated tight end, in my opinion. He's somebody that you know you kind of have to be a hardcore NFL fan to really care about. But I think Darren Waller is going to be an asset partnered with Adams. Like the, having to cover those two is going to be a problem for uh, opposing defenses. And then again, I don't think Carr is a bad quarterback by any means. I think the fact that he has a receiver, he already has um, a bit of repetition with. Now, granted. You know, is it is it recent repetition? No, but I think they'll they'll reestablish their chemistry rather quickly. So I think that it'd be a good pairing. I think now it will be the same statistical season. No, but I still think he's going to be a very good wide receiver. I think he will be. He will definitely be above average. He'll be really good, whatever. But if you're going to go from the back to back, you know, now four time MVP to Derek Carr, who's not terrible, but I'm gonna. If I had to give him an honest like assessment of where I think that he is right now, I would be hard pressed to put him in the top ten. I think he'll still be in the top ten. I, it's not like he's got Daniel Jones throwing to him. He's still got a very good wide receiver. Uh, There's still a very good wide receiver quarterback duo together. Yeah, they're, he's not bad. Derek Carr's not a bad quarterback. I think he's top sixteen. But I don't think he's top 10. And if he is, it's like 10. And that's pretty much it. I can't see putting him any higher than that. I don't know. I, I Don't get me wrong. It, it, if there's one thing that's really hard to separate, it is the reliance of quarterback and wide receiver. Like Those two are just so dependent on each other that it's hard to separate who's responsible for what. But... You, I feel like it's crazy to say that Adams is just going to have a drop off. Like, you know, I know he's not getting the best pass thrower in the NFL from last season and the season before, but he, he's also not getting a horrible quarterback. I just, I can't imagine if you want to say, I feel like the worst is he's going to fall out of the top five. I think falling out of the top 10 is going to be crazy. Now, does he maybe next year, does he age well? No, by, by like I said, if we, if we're really going to, commit to the bit and it's 2025 and 2026 and he gets axed then obviously he's not going to age well but I just I think it's crazy to imagine a world in which you know I I don't know it feels it feels crazy I'm going to say he drops out of like the top 
or around that area. Hmm. Not a huge drop. Still top 10 for sure, but he's not going to be, you know, number one, two guy in the NFL. I mean, he had 169 targets last year, 123 receptions. The only person with more receptions than him last year is Cooper Cup. So I think that his volume is going to decrease a little bit. And then just kind of naturally with that, everything else is going to fall off a little bit. Yeah. No, I mean, that's, I don't know, that's fair. One thing that I did notice that is about, as I'm looking at the Adams contract and and kind of trying to think about how this career is going to age based on the contract, he does not have a single roster bonus until 2023. Now, do you know how much that roster bonus is, Tony? I have no clue. It's $20 million. 2023, they're going to give him $20 million? Well, so hold on. So it's a roster bonus, right? So at some point, there, you know, there is a date set in the contract that if you are on the roster at this point, for Matt Ryan, it was like, I believe, last or last Friday, that if you're still on a roster, you get your roster bonus. And so you know, that date can, of course, be moved around. But that is something that I find very striking is that Adams' base salary this year is only $3.5 million. Now, he does have a prorated bonus that's $3.85 million and a per-game roster bonus of 500000 or a workout bonus of 100000 and other incentives that are 250000 that kind of get him up to that 8.17. But um, in, in 2023, the base salary of, of, of $6 million and then the roster bonus of $20 million and a prorated bonus of $3.8 million is just incredible. That, that the roster bonus is $20 million. It only occurs in one year. I mean, most teams would spread out that roster bonus a little bit to be on a more per-year basis. Yeah, that is... I mean, I, I didn't see that part of the contract. Is that almost kind of a hint that they are... They kind of are giving themselves a backdoor out on Adams here and kind of just letting him go if this year doesn't go well? I don't think so, because if, if, you're, if the... The fall that you're saying is going to happen happens, and Adams goes from being the best wide receiver in the league, the highest paid wide receiver in the league. By over the cap's calculations, he has the best contract ranking in the NFL for the wide receiver position, and he falls out of the top 10. And I mean, that's like, can you say that anything more? There's not more concrete proof in the NFL that, oh, that's, that's because of Rodgers. Rodgers did that, that he goes to Derek Carr and just falls. Um, so I don't think anyone's going to take that $20 million. Why I find that interesting is just I just think it's a very random oddity, and I think that it probably just is maybe an extension. Maybe that's like how they can kind of spread out the hit next year, and it won't be $30 million next year. Yeah, that is strange. I hadn't noticed that before, but you're right. That is odd. It just, it's, it's very weird, and something about it is bothering me, and I can't put my finger on it. Um because it's just so very specific. Like I don't think I can look at a whole lot of contracts that have a roster bonus sp- uh, set on one year, specifically one year, and then also have uh, a roster bonus of that size. Yeah, I don't understand it. it it'll probably, they might change some things for next year, because that just doesn't seem right. I think it's just, I think that the, the what happens is that it's just going to be, they're you know they're going to do a restructure, and it'll just be restructured. Probably, I I seriously doubt that they just let that number go off of what it is because that is a very high number. It is. I mean, and looking at like so DeAndre Hopkins, I immediately hop. 
roster bonus. He just has prorated bonuses. So a, a, it, those are bonuses that are spread out ev- evenly over the lifetime of the contract. So he doesn't even have a roster bonus. He just has his bonuses and guaranteed money, whereas Adams just has that very weird contract that, I mean, it's, it feels telling. That's all I'll say, is it feels very telling the way his contract is structured that there is not a dime guaranteed over over this year. Yeah, we'll we'll see how this all we'll see how this falls. We'll revisit it a year from now and see which one of us was right. Mm-hmm. No, I mean, yeah, I mean that's that's always the fun part of this is trying to be right and and seeing what works and being inevitably wrong. Yeah, fifty fifty. That's what if you're fifty fifty, you're good. <laughs> yeah, like um, we we are officially analysts. Yeah, really. Um, okay, so. Do you want to quickly do Baker Mayfield and Jimmy G? Because those feel like the two biggest pieces left in the season. Well, that's the that's the weird thing about this is there's not really like a ton of different places that they can go now. I mean, you could I guess you could trade them with each other if you really wanted to, but I don't think that happens in any world. Baker might just be kind of stuck on this team because I don't see how they I don't see how the Browns just let him go, and I don't see who's going to pick him up. Well, so I know that I, I mentioned this, and you were like, "There's no way that'll happen." Like that's that's kind of dumb. But Browns, I mean, excuse me, the Panthers did restructure CMC's contract. Now I don't know if if Over the Cap is running the latest numbers off of that because I believe it was a very recent restructure. But currently, uh, McCaffrey's cap number this season is down to just eight million. So I feel like that's very much a restructured figure. Um, forgive me for not knowing if if over the cap is displaying the the fact that it was restructured, but his cap hit for this season is just eight million. Now it does balloon up to like twenty million in twenty twenty three, twenty twenty four, and then drops down to fifteen million in twenty twenty five. So it's not a great situation for the Panthers' future cap, but that's why I think it was this year's cap figure must have been a little restructured. I don't like the Panthers going for a new guy. Honestly, I, I think that if if you're gonna change anything you get your o-line set up straight and then you give darnold a legitimate year to figure figure out what he's really like because it's not fair to kind of say that he was bad based off of his terrible o-line play I and mean, he just didn't have time to do anything so i think that he lost cmc didn't really have a major weapon he was planning on having didn't have any time to throw to the few weapons he did have i think that he was just fine last year we'll see what they decide to do with him uh, this year, if they decide to go for somebody else, but if I'm the Panthers, I'm not jumping off of this Darnold chip just yet, and I'm especially not doing it for Baker just yet. From the guy who watched Sam Darnold, it's not just the offensive line's fault, but I mean that is fair. Like you know, it's it's going to be very hard to to play around someone that bad. Now, I was I was suggesting the Panthers just because it's a potential landing spot for Baker because Baker has been reportedly interested in going to the Panthers currently. But also, it's um, it's interesting because the Panthers have then also reportedly not been interested in Baker. So, which is good. That's what I that's what I hope to see from them. If I'm just going to say it right now, if the Panthers trade for Baker Mayfield and they let Darnold walk, I'm immediately giving them an F on the trade. Well, I mean, they can't. They can't let Darnold walk because he has an 18.5 dead cap hit. So, so they would essentially just be keeping Darnold and Baker, uh, yeah, on the cap this year. Okay, I mean, I mean, it's look. So in the NBA, 
Ben Simmons didn't want to play this season. And so there was pressure on the 76ers to trade for somebody else, anybody else, to see if a better deal would come along. Uh, I mean, excuse me, and the 76ers opted to see if a better deal would come along. And eventually they did trade for someone else. And so the argument was, look, this maybe isn't the best deal we can get, but it's a pretty good deal. And having somebody here instead of Ben Simmons is better than having nobody here. And he still has a, a large salary cap hit. So for Darnold, it's like, look, we the Panthers opted in to pay him his extension as soon as they traded for him because it would be a waste to not to. And they just assumed, hey, like hopefully he does well and this is a really good move ahead of time. Obviously, it's not looking like a great move right now and it looks like it backfired on them a little bit. So I'm saying that they wouldn't let Darnold walk. They would probably let Darnold and Mayfield compete for the starting job and you'd have, you know, you'd have two first former uh first round picks to have battling for the job and you get to keep or try to keep whoever is, uh, you know, the better guy. Yeah, we'll we'll see how it ends up going, but I would not be I would not be a fan of letting go Darnold just yet. I do think that he deserves another chance. Well, I mean, I'm telling you they can't let go of Darnold. Like, well, okay, the, ma- not- the, the money would be insane. Like, pick up another guy. Oh. I think yeah, I mean- him be your, they let him be your guy for another year and fix some of the things around him, and then you can kind of tell, is he really the issue? Yeah, I mean, so a lot of... A lot of what the Panthers have also been reported doing is that they're going to bring Cam back and have Cam and, and Darnold continue to compete for the job. Um, and and you know if they brought Cam back, it would be with the intention to draft a quarterback in the first round, let him sit behind both Cam and Darnold, um, and continue to build the overall quality of the team. That would be interesting, and I don't know. I don't like that. You're just not a Cam fan, though. I'm like not that's like Cam in general, but. That he is fairly experienced. Like, depending on who you get, like if you get Malik Willis, I think Malik Willis would be actually be pretty decent to have Cam like ahead of him as kind of his mentor. I do think that they would be a fairly like Cam could give him some pretty good insights. Even though I don't think Cam's quite the player he was, he does have knowledge. Like he he is a veteran in the NFL, so he could definitely teach some young guys some things. Malik Willis would probably be a good guy to have kind of behind him. So if they could get that, that might work out pretty nicely. But other than that, I don't love, I don't really love any, any other way like you get Cam. Yeah, I mean, I would assume that, so the Panthers have, I think, $24 million in cap space. So they certainly have the, the money to bring on Cam. And they could probably do it at a price that is a little more friendly than last season when he, I, I think, was a $10 million signing because it was, you know, a clear desperation move. So I think that you know it, it's reasonable to bring back Cam and bring him back on the cheap, and then also uh, from practically every single mock draft, and you know I'm not going to say every single mock draft because they're you know the few oddities here and there, but practically from every single mock draft, the Panthers are the first quarterback needy team in this year's draft because you have the Jags. They obviously have a quarterback on their roster in Trevor Lawrence. Now, if you think he's good or not. <laughs> different story. Um, and then you have the Lions who have Jared Goff, and for better or worse, I believe this is the year that Jared Goff's like real salary cap implications uh, kick in. I believe this year he's something to the tune of $32 million. Or that, that's his, Yeah, his, his cap number this year is $31.2 million, whereas last year it was just $10 million. So if you really think that, the, that he was expensive last year, hold on to your hats for that one. 
the Texans opted not to take Baker Mayfield on because they want to build around Davis Mills. The Jets have um, Zach Wilson, so they're probably not going to take a quarterback, and the Giants have Daniel Jones. Again, believe in him, don't believe in him, it doesn't matter. The Giants probably aren't taking a quarterback. I could see them taking a quarterback because new coach um, and new GM, but from every single mock draft that I've read, they're going to address other issues as opposed to quarterbacks because it's specifically not a quarterback-rich year. And then the Panthers are the first team to be supposedly looking at a quarterback. Now, uh, the mock drafts I'm looking at currently are suggesting Kenny Pickett as as a very real choice, as the only quarterbacking choice for the Panthers. I think that they're going to take Malik Willis. I think that they've kind of fallen in love with Malik Willis. Um, but Kenny Pickett, I know that Rule was supposedly recently talking to Kenny Pickett at his pro day at Pittsburgh. Malik Willis had a heck of a pro day today. He did. So I think that that's going to turn... That's going to turn a lot of eyes, and maybe it kind of bounces, it kind of bounces people back to his side because it's kind of been Pickett and Willis are like the only real two names I've heard of uh, throughout kind of the draft this year. And obviously, as somebody who has no idea about anything college football, all I really know is who I hear in the news the most, and those are kind of the two names that I always hear. Well, so I mean, obviously, this year was supposed to not be a the best class, but we, we knew that going into the year, but like Malik Willis, the fact that a Liberty quarterback is, is going to be a first round pick should maybe illustrate like how bad it is from a quarterback perspective, but also how good Malik is. Yeah, that definitely speaks to him. We'll see how he's able to transfer over to the NFL for whoever he plays for. He'll definitely get picked up by somebody. How do you like the saints taking a quarterback? I, I, I don't love it because I do think that Jameis Winston is, a guy that you can roll with for a little bit unless he really screws it up this year. From what I saw from him last year, I really liked how he'd turn around. Yeah, I'm just looking at this mock draft, and they have the Saints taking a quarterback. I don't like that at all. I think that if they stick with Jameis Winston on the amazing contract they just give, gave him, like that was like that I think that was the biggest steal I've seen in a long time. Jameis Winston, for what it was, $28 million for two years or something? I thought that was awesome. Twenty-eight million for two years and twenty-one millions guaranteed. Yeah, I I I love that contract for the Saints. I think that Jameis is going to get you a lot more than what you're paying him for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. I think so. Realistically, I I brought up the the Christian McCaffrey thing just to to bring up the possibility, but realistically, I think the Christian McCaffrey thing is probably just to acquire some free agents. Like, free up money, we are kind of hosed a little bit in the regard that we have Darnold taking up nearly $20 million in a cap hit, and we can't do anything about it. So I I have a feeling that that's probably why they're trying to bring on O-line guys. I think the Panthers have quietly had a decent offseason from the perspective of they're just signing defensive players in the secondary, and they're signing offensive linemen, and they are extending their good players. Yeah, I, I certainly hope that they go the free agent route instead of kind of instead of going for a quarterback that they're just going to blow the whole cab thing that they have saved up on. I hope that they just get a couple start off slow. It's not going to happen in one year where you're going to completely turn around, but just just start it off. Get a couple pieces this year. Get your guys signed next year. Get a couple pieces next year. Like just slowly but surely work your way into it. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, I think the best move is let Darnold's contract expire and pretend it never happened and draft somebody at, you know, picking a quarterback at six feels like a very rarity if you're the first team to pick a quarterback. So, you know, do that. Don't waste assets by trading up aggressively unless somebody else does. And then, of course, it's like 
an arms race to get the highest pick possible. Yep. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. We will. Last thing, Jimmy G. Do, how do we feel now? Because he was he was my pick um, or one of my picks to go to the Colts. I thought he he might make sense to the Colts. I think that he can only really go to Seattle at this point. They're really like the only team that I think would even offer anything. I don't think it'll be Seattle though because it's in division, and I I have a feeling they probably don't want a like twenty six million dollar cap hit in a in Jimmy G. Well. It, if he's gonna go anywhere, it's gonna be them because I don't, I can't think of anybody else that like really needs a quarterback and would pay that. The Seahawks, like, the Seahawks don't even have the cap space because of Russell Wilson's dead money hit. All right, so Jimmy G's not going anywhere. Good to know. So they would be, they would be paying Jimmy G just as much as they're paying Russell Wilson in dead money. That yep. Okay, so Jimmy G's so gonna be w- staying with the Niners for another year. Confirmed. Yeah, but that feels very likely. I'd be very surprised. I mean, Steelers maybe are kind of regretting the whole Mitchell thing. I don't know. I guess they probably don't have the cap to do that either now that I think about it. Well, the fans were regretting that day one. I think everyone was. I think everyone on the Steelers just probably regretting that. No, I laughed at that. I thought it was a joke. I actually thought it was like the NFL memes account when I saw that on Twitter, and it was the actual NFL account. Oh, I checked to see so many times if it was a meme account. I, like, triple-checked the sourcing on that. Yep. <laughs> I thought, this is so ridiculous. There's no way they actually just did this. Fair enough. Yeah, so the only, according to the Jaff Network, and they're my favorite Jaff resource, the only teams that are quarterback needy are the Saints, the Seahawks, the Panthers, and the Lions. The Lion- Oh, I guess the Falcons, too, but they, they signed Mariota, so I think that they're probably going to roll with with Marcus Mariota. They have a $40 million dead hit for Ryan, so they literally can't sign anyone else. Yeah, there's nothing that they can really do here. Biggest in history. <laughs> Biggest in league oh. history. Um, so it, it can't be the Falcons. We've already said it won't be the Lions for the reasons that Goff has his, has his contract starting to kick in. We've already said that it would be smart of the Panthers to not take on Jimmy G. The Saints already have Jameis, and they can't. And um, the last team, the Seahawks, also can't. So Jimmy G, the 49ers, and the 49ers are going to weep because either Trey Lance is going to sit in the stands for another year or they're going to have the world's most expensive backup. Yep. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to watch how that dynamic kind of works itself out. Yeah, no, I mean, the 49ers can be a good team, so it'll, it'll be interesting to see if that's problematic, if Jimmy G gets the starting job. If Jimmy G gets the starting job, that might tell you a lot more about Trey Lance than it does Jimmy G. And the fact that the 49ers aren't actively really trying to shop Jimmy G around either tells you that, that teams didn't want him around the league, despite the fact that he played well enough in the playoffs to boost his value, or that the 49ers were like, maybe we want to hang on to him for a little bit longer and just let his contract expire. Might as well, since there's, I mean, if, if they should have acted way sooner if they really wanted to get rid of Which is why I think they didn't want to shop him. Yeah, at this point, that would make complete sense. I would have thought earlier that, you know, you drafted Trey Lance, and it either means that you never intended to start him after the first year, or he's not ready. That's the only two things that I can think of that means that you still have Jimmy G, and you haven't shopped him around clearly. It could just be that they did shop him around and they said, okay, this is our asking price and nobody met the asking price. And so they said, fine, we'll hang on to him. We think it's worth hanging yeah. on to him. I, I would have thought that somebody would have offered at least close enough where they just do it. If they, if they truly have their guy 
ready like they want, then I would have thought that they would be okay with kind of letting him go for maybe a little less than what they would have otherwise wanted. I mean, looking at what the Colts gave up for Matt Ryan, I think the Colts are probably looking for a quarterback on the cheap. The 49ers were reportedly looking for two first-rounders or either had an offer in hand that was two first-rounders and didn't pull the trigger on it. So the Colts probably went with the cheaper, older option in Matt Ryan. I, I don't know. I guess what I'm saying is I think that now that I think about it, I think the 49ers may just have said we're just going to hang on to him for either Trey Lance-related reasons. He was injured and too hard to move. And so if we were going to trade him, we wanted to trade him at full value, not on the cheap. And so we'll just hang on to him. Yeah, we'll see how it all shakes out. Maybe next year we'll finally get some Jimmy G movement. Yeah, I mean, it'll still be year three of, of Lance's rookie deal, so he'll still be cheap for two years, and the 49ers can go all in if they really like what they have in Lance. So it's always always still there. Yep. All right, well, thank you for listening, guys. We've done a fun show. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it, so please check us out. Please leave us a, a rating and a review if you really like the show. If you didn't like the show, please don't rate a review. In fact, like, just... <laughs> just leave um and in addition if you like the show please subscribe um i like to call it subscribe rate and review and again if you don't like the show don't do any of those things if you like the show and for some reason you like us you like our weird sense of humor and our analysis like you can get a lot in a lot of other places come hang out with us on Colin. that's c-a-l-l-i-n again it's the app where you call in it's a really fun young app So come hang out with us. Come talk football with us. We have a really good time on here. Uh, But thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys later whenever we do another pop-up episode. See you guys.